When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm excited. All right, Brig. So we're going to jump in here and do um, do our Mount Rushmore for the Seattle Mariners. Ah. We started doing this. We did the we did the Yankees because that's Briggs' team. And uh, then we decided to come west and do my team, the Seattle Mariners. So we're going to do that today. Um, mm. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar, Mount Rushmore has four president, presidential heads on it. So we are choosing four players who we believe would belong on a Mount Rushmore for the organization. Um, Brig, why don't you go ahead and lead us off? Give us your first one. <laughs> That's so nice of you. <laughs> it's your giving favorite move. team, and it's the softball that you're just going to lob in there. Yeah. So my number one choice is Ken Griffey Jr. Mine too. <laughs> Super <laughs> duh. Are you serious? Right? Yes. Ha. <laughs> <sighs> We should <laughs> go ahead, Brig. <laughs> well, I mean, wh- number one overall pick, nineteen eighty-eight, drafted out of high school. Um, he changed baseball. He transcended baseball, man, with the hat backward and everything like that. Eleven seasons as a Mariner, three hundred ninety-eight home runs, one thousand sixty-three runs, and one thousand one hundred fifty-two RBIs. Dude, this dude is off the chain. Mm-hmm. AL MVP Especially in 97. When he was in Seattle. What? Especially when he was in Seattle. Yeah, we don't talk about that, whatever happened in Chicago. <laughs> he wasn't even in the documentary. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's true. That was like two weeks. It's like the last month of the season in, in Chicago. A lot of people forget about that. Number 17 with the White Sox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Playing right field and DHing. What do you think about yeah. it? Tell us your thoughts on the kid. Well, so, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Transcended baseball, you know, the iconic backwards hat, the most beautiful swing we have ever seen to date. I mean, I don't know of anybody who has that kind of swing. I mean, Cody Bellinger, you can see, kind of tries to mimic it a little bit. Um, One time I noticed that his stance is very similar to Griffey's. Um, He's changed it up since then. Um, his swing is a little bit in that direction, but I think that might just be because he's a lefty. Uh, but I think you can see that there is some inspiration drawn there, which is obvious, you know, with a, a kid who grew up in an MLB clubhouse. But, I mean, yeah. Griffey had influence over an entire generation of fans. The only other guy I can think of who had that kind of influence was Michael Jordan. And, you know, they were contemporaries, you know, playing in the mid in the 90s, early 2000s. For sure. They were contemporaries, and, and you know, it would be like Mike, and you know, every ba- every kid playing baseball wanted to be like Griffey. Um, yeah. And, you know, one thing that I don't know how well-known this is about his influence on the game is that Griffey is, I mean, his approaching Bud Selig is the reason that, A, they have Jackie Robinson Day where everybody wears number 42, and also the reason that Jackie Robinson's number is, uh, is retired across Major League Baseball. That's right. Ken Griffey Jr. Yep. had that idea, brought it to Bud Selig, and it was executed. So, That's I mean, right. 
more than just on the field, he, I guess that's mostly on the field, but across the entire game, that he understood the importance of Jackie Robinson in his life and the league, and he, he felt like it was important enough that everybody should understand that. And I think it's great. I thought when I heard that, I thought it was amazing. Just somebody who cares way more about way more things than just himself. Cause it could have been easy for him to be selfish his entire career. Oh, for sure. You know, and you can argue yeah. that there were times, but everybody's got to be selfish at some point. You know, when he asked out of, of Seattle, course. we saw in the junior documentaries because he was miserable. He was, he wanted to be with his family and I can't fault a guy for that, especially especially being a dad, you know, yep. but yeah, no, this the the impact that he had on my favorite team growing up. That I I've talked I've spoken to people over the last few years. It's like I don't know why, honestly, if you didn't grow up in the Pacific Northwest, why anybody would be a Mariners fan. And the same answer I get every time is I grew up watching Griffey. It's like, there you go, there you go. Well, and he played impact with on his a generation. dad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he, and he, yeah, all of the ten All Star teams. That's transcendent right there. That's. That's how you become a fan of Griffey if you didn't grow up there. And anyway, Griffey mm-hmm. Griffey just wins. He just is a winner. And yep. he just wins all of the things that you can win. So <laughs> And a gold glove every single year he was in Seattle. Is <laughs> exactly. He wins all the things you can win. It's a thing he yeah. does. Yep. Yep, absolutely. But he saved baseball in Seattle. I mean we can't <laughs> He did. This to this day now. T-Mobile, but Safeco was called the house that Junior built because he led that team on that playoff run. You know, granted they lost to lost to the Indians in '95 in six games, yeah. but because people were coming to watch Griffey that year, you know, he missed some time with a broken wrist, but when he came back, he was just as electric as ever. You know, he, yep. he came back and people were coming to watch him play and watch the Mariners play in the playoffs. That it was like, okay, we need a new stadium because the Kingdom is not great. You know, uh, it, one last one last thing on Griffey is mm-hmm. tell me if I'm wrong, but is he not the first Mariner to be in the Hall of Fame? He is. Yep. Yep. One of only two. One of only two. Yeah. Are you going to go That's to the second insane. one for your next one? No. Okay. That's fine. No. Don't talk. Don't talk to me like you know me. <laughs> <laughs> Not your coal mine supervisor. I apologize. <laughs> Brad, who is your number two? Funny you'd ask that right now, Brig. My number two yeah. is Edgar Martinez. <laughs> no. <laughs> yep. Yep. He is. Oh man. Um, I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> he was the he was the second Mariner to be elected into the baseball hall of fame and it took a long yeah. time it took a long time for him to get in because people were holding his defense against him and yeah. to that i say <laughs> but also i say on you. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot name the designated hitter year the designated hitter of the year award after a guy and then not let him into the hall of fame he was yeah. the greatest dh to play the game by far i mean look yeah, at this here of course so Edgar Martinez, three twelve, three twelve lifetime average, nine thirty three career OPS. It's crazy. I mean, hello, and then in ninety five he had he had a career year in ninety five. Griffey missed some time, so he was bumped up a little bit in the, in the batting order. 
yeah. got a few more at bats. Came out batting brig three fifty six with an OPS of one point one zero seven. On base you percentage four seventy nine. <laughs> and for a guy who hits for average and does not hit home runs, Brig, twenty nine home runs. I know. Finished third in the MVP voting. To your point, 52 doubles that 95 season. And you know what? The thing that's funny about that is that none of those stats include the important role that he had in the 95 ALDS against your New York Yankees. Oh, my. Yeah, you're right. There it is. Because it yeah, was because, supposed I mean, he to had, be a double. It, it was a double. But it also, double. He, had a grand sl- he had a grand slam in that series. That brought the Mariners back from the brink in game four. That's right. Yes. They should have lost that game. Instead, Edgar Martinez hits a grand slam to straightaway center field. Busts yep. out the rye bread and the mustard, Grandma. That's right. So, <laughs> I mean, aside from those, though, I mean, he was, after Griffey left Seattle, he was the cornerstone of the franchise. Him and Ichiro were the cornerstone of the, of the franchise. And, I mean, I think his leadership was a big reason that team won 116 games in 2001. And whether he was a vocal yeah. guy in the clubhouse, I don't know. You know, I was only 15 years old at the time. Sure. But sure. so I, I wasn't really paying attention to that stuff, but it felt like it was Edgar's team and he was leading that team to every single win. You know, Brett Boone yeah. was doing the bat flips. Jay Buhner was hitting home runs, but Edgar Martinez was the guy who was pushing that team along. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> That's just the way I saw it. That's the way I saw Edgar really the entire time he was in Seattle. Um, You know, one of the big knocks on him is that he was a defensive liability. He didn't play much defense. He played a little bit at third base, but then he hurt his knee, couldn't play defense anymore. I don't know what the Mariners would have done if they'd ever made it to the World Series because that would have been trouble. Wouldn't have won any games on the road probably because he didn't have his bat. Except yeah. for in a pinch hitting situation. but And he's also a guy, as my dad said, he, my dad always said he ran like he's mad at the ground. Yeah. which i thought was really funny and also very true <laughs> yeah that's right but well he spent that's that's enough years in seattle 18 yeah yeah so that's plenty of he opportunity to career. get an opinion <laughs> yeah he spent his whole career in seattle he's a guy right, who like exactly. i i watched him from the beginning of my watching baseball until he retired in 2004 when i graduated high school and like at that point i was just like gosh i don't know what to do you know yeah. <laughs> right. But, anyway, what do you have to say about Edgar Briggs? Because I'm assuming you have him on your list. I do. <laughs> he, just, <laughs> he just wasn't number two, Brad. He was... That's fine. That's fine. I'll forgive no, you I, for that. I, I've said, I mean, everything you said I was going to say, and then I added the 18 um, seasons in Seattle, and yeah, I think... I, it's just just crazy to me that this guy is as good as he is and is as underrated as he is. And um, I, you you say he's the greatest DH to ever play the game, and I think there's a really good argument for that. But other people know David Ortiz better, and I can't figure out why. Mm-hmm. It's got to have something to do with being in Seattle. Um, and I think I think and, the David Ortiz thing is the postseason. 
Right. Well, and exactly. Edgar never a, got the, a great never got that chance. That. Even though, right. even though he did perform when he did get the chance, but he didn't get the chance on the big, big, big stage like Poppy did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I. Know. But that's what I'm saying. That's like there's your. But you come up with you seriously. If you could, if you say list five, you know, top three, even top three best DHs of all time, you have to have Edgar Martinez in there. You have to absolutely. You have to no matter what. Yeah. I mean. You'd be a fool yep. not to. So he was he's my number three. And oh, okay. uh, I refuse to move him. That. I refuse to move him down to number two. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> hey, let's let's take a quick break when we get back. Let's talk about your number two break. Okay. Welcome back, baseball family. Now, during the break, Brad and I had a little bit of an exchange happening. It's very exciting. Um <laughs> I said rather boldly that I believe I know who his number three and number four picks will be. I also told him that I think our number, his number three and my number two, which has yet to be revealed, are the same, but that our number fours are going to be different. So, in an effort to preserve the integrity of our little experiment, I told Brad, I said, "Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you a text message." With my guesses, because he's like, prove it. And I'm like, no, I can't. That He said, well, then you'll cheat. And I said, well, so so I texted him. It's got a timestamp on it. He's not looking at his phone. We're very excited to bring you this. Yes, very excited. More, more for us than anything else. So we'll see. we'll see what happens. But, okay, my number two, since we've gone out of order, my number two pick for the Seattle Mariners Mount Rushmore is Ichiro Suzuki. Okay, that is my number three. Yes! <laughs> yes! Ooh, yeah. I'm halfway there, baby. Halfway. Okay. <laughs> Whew. Okay, so now, it Suzuki, okay, <laughs> let's go, let's context here. When a player comes from Japan, it's not always a done deal. You could have a terrific career in Japan. And be lights out, just be automatic. And then you mm-hmm. come to Major League Baseball, and things the wheels fall off, right? It just there are yep. very few players that pull it off successfully, but there is only one player that's done it the way Suzuki has. It's just insane. So he yeah. was with Seattle from 2001 to 2012. Short break. Well, I mean, six years is not short. And then 2018, 2019 came back, right? Well, yeah, 20. I mean, if that's what you want to call it, I mean. He played 15 games in 2018, and then he played two games in that Japan series in 2019. So basically, he came back uh, ceremoniously during that time. Sure, but we got a good 10 years out of him for Seattle. Yes, yes. He's the all-time leader in hits with 25-42 for the Mariners. 438 stolen bases also leads that category, and he has the highest career batting average, 321 across the entire franchise history. Now, the team was inaugurated, what, 1977? Yeah. That was their initial season? So, mm-hmm. that's that's not a tremendous amount of history to top, but it is noth- it's, it's nothing to shake a stick at. At a 321 career, leading the franchise with at least 10 years, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, and we did see that. There is that stat that came across... Uh, on the on the nine plus SVIP group, 
and uh, I think it was an, an MLB graphic. But anyway, it said something like Ichiro doubled up 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 the middle or singled up the up the middle in his 21st at bat of his major league career and never fell below 300 again for his lifetime average. Right. And you know it it's pretty good. He got off to a pretty good start because he hit 350 that first season as a rookie was mm-hmm. an was the obvious rookie of the year happened to win MVP I mean happened to win MVP as well that year um and that was 2001 that was that that season that I talked about when I felt like Edgar Martinez is leading the team I mean Ichiro was just this phenom came out of nowhere I specifically remember his very first at bat with the Mariners and it was like a he hit like a little dribbler to like to third base I think and he beat it out right and we were just like, I think it was just my mom and I were watching the game. We looked at each other we're like, who's this guy? <laughs> you know, like, what is this? <laughs> and then it wasn't too long until there's that throw from uh, from right field to David Bell that was an absolute strike, not just oh, a strike, yeah. but a laser beam. You know, they're just yeah. like, he can throw too. What? What is this? You know. <laughs> But, yeah, first first impressions of Ichiro were, were very big in my house because we hadn't really heard anything about him besides he's going to be great. <laughs> right, a lot of promises that are often broken promises, empty well, promises. Yeah. yeah, it's like you talked about. Guys come over from Japan and so- sometimes, and like maybe they're good, not great, or they just flat out don't pan out at all. I mean, yeah. we've seen Shohei Otani, who's been very good for the Angels when he plays, but health has been an issue. You know, I mean, right. he's, he's on a second round of, of Tommy John surgery already, you yeah. know, and who knows how much longer he's going to be able to play. He's probably not going to be able to pitch, which is part of the reason they wanted him. But, I mean, Ichiro yeah. was everything anybody ever thought he would be and more, you know, coming to the league at 27. So it was yeah. absolute dynamite. Unreal. Unreal experience well, then- watching Ichiro, especially that first year. So then in 2004, when he broke the uh, single-season record for, for hits with 262, that record stood until he broke it in 04 from 1920. It's a long time. It's a long time, man. <laughs> and, you know, this is one thing, too, about Ichiro that a lot of people kind of argue against is his slugging percentage. Mm-hmm. So he never had a slugging percentage, let's see, uh, above 457. He was 457 his rookie season, and he never got above that again and rarely got over 400. You know, a lot of people call him a slap hitter because he was just slapping the ball and getting on base. But you and I have talked about the value of getting a guy on base, and we saw that with the Mariners, yeah. especially in that 01 season. There were guys who, A, could hit home runs. You had Brett Boone batting right behind Ichiro that season who was – um, may or may not have been juicing. I don't know. I'm not going to say well. either way. <laughs> but <laughs> but batting right behind him. But he sure hit a whole lot of home runs that season, regardless of the situation. Yeah. Um, and, and each year was on base for a lot of them. So that turns well, a solo home run into a two-run home run at least. Exactly. And that's that's the whole point. Well, now let's not forget he took home t- 10 straight Gold Glove awards from uh, – Oh, one to 2010. I, yeah. That's hot. Yeah. And it is. And, you know, they had the the fan area out there in right field. They called it Area 51, which I thought yeah. was pretty cool. Um, 
And, you know, I actually read at one point, I think it was his rookie season, where he said the reason that he chose number 51. Do you know what that was? No. He's a big Bernie Williams fan. Get out. I That's what I read that rookie season. I don't know how much truth there is to it, but that's something that I saw. That's that's fantastic. I thought that was really true, cool. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 Thought it was great. Cool. But all right, Brad. Um, let's see if anyway. I'm right. Who's your who's your number four? <laughs> okay. Oh, man, My so number excited. four is the big unit, Randy Johnson. Oh, I was wrong. <laughs> you said King Felix. <laughs> ah, I thought you so, were gonna go with King Felix. Real quick, let me tell you why I didn't choose King Felix. Okay. And it was strictly because he never pitched in a playoff game, which I know was not his fault. He was a Cy Young Award winner. But the fact that he mm-hmm. was not able to get there. You know, and like I said, it's a pitcher, not his fault, but but I feel like you've got to have that on your resume. And Randy Johnson actually was the reason at one point the Mariners got into the playoffs because they had to play a one game playoff in ninety five against the at the time California Angels. Mm-hmm. And he came in and closed that game out. Struck out, I believe it was Tim Salmon to win the game. I'm so, shocked, Brad. <laughs> at what? Oh, that it was Randy Johnson <laughs> instead of King Felix? No. Yes. <laughs> and see, for me, Randy Johnson has like just such a special place in my heart. I feel like you can't leave him off because, like I said, the role that he played on that team in those playoff runs. Like, he was a 20-game winner in 97 when the Mariners made the playoffs again. He was an all-star that season. He was also an all-star in 93, 94, 95. He won the Cy Young Award in 95. And, like, he didn't strike fear. Or, King Felix did not strike the fear into batters that Randy Johnson did. Hey, now, that's that's 100% true. There's because You can't argue with that. Because I feel like with with King Felix, it was like a nervousness of you know what's going to come, but you still can't hit it. But with Randy yeah. Johnson, it was like this guy might have a screw a screw loose, and I don't know where the ball is going to come. <laughs> yeah. And he probably doesn't know where it's going to come. And I don't know if it's going to be a hundred and three mile an hour fastball or if it's going to be a ninety mile an hour slider. Yep. You know, so like there was like a physical fear put into batters that yeah. very few other pitchers have had. Over the course of over the course of a lifetime, he threw his first no no in 1990, Cy Young Award winner '95, and uh, mm-hmm. 4,875 strikeouts. That's a but strikeout also, per nine of 10.61. Yeah, he also had 1,497 1, walks, which I feel like is pretty good for a guy with those kind of control issues. And at you know, just shy at seven feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was one thing that I always thought was funny that, that yes, the ball is coming out of his hand at 100 plus because he's stepping halfway to the, to the plate. And, and he had a, he had a unique motion. You know, a lot of guys have their arm at 90 degrees when they throw, but he had that three quarter mm-hmm. arm slot cocked where he was. Yeah. He, yeah. It was like a sling coming out of there where, yeah. Especially since his arm was so long for a left-handed batter, the ball is starting four feet behind you and then having to swing back across the plate. Everything yep. feels like it's coming at you at that point. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, so it's almost I, as long as his mustaches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and his mullet. Yes. Oh, man, yeah. that mullet was something else. I'll tell you what. <laughs> but this, like, this, he's this, just too this big is the for one. NASCAR. He just wouldn't fit in one of them stock cars. So that's the only difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But this, this is the one problem I have with Randy Johnson is that he went into, and I don't blame him for this, he went into the Hall of Fame as a Diamondback, as an Arizona Diamondback. Yeah. And, you know, he, he had good years in Arizona. He won a World Series with the Diamondbacks, so I, I totally get that. It's just, yep. I had always wish that he had gone in as a Mariner just because he had he was so dominant in those years. But, you know, I can I could see it because he was one, two, three, four, five-time All-Star with the Diamondbacks. Last time was when he was 40. So hmm. yeah. it is what it is, whatever. It but is it's fine. It he's, he's, my, he's the fourth guy on my Mount Rushmore. That's pretty good, man. I I I can't argue with you. <laughs> uh as far as not picking King Felix, what I can do is tell you that you've left out arguably the most important personality in the entire franchise off your Mount Rushmore. Oh, that's a bold statement. That is a and bold statement. I'm going to kind of break the mold a little bit and as I do so, I'll ask you to break out the salami and the mustard, Grandma. Because I'm putting Dave Niehaus as my number four on Mount I Rushmore cannot for believe. Seattle. I cannot believe I didn't say Dave Niehaus. Because I was going strictly you, players. I know. Because Dave Niehaus absolutely belongs to be on there more than the big unit does. 100%. There's no, there's no Seattle baseball without Dave Niehaus. It just doesn't happen. Well, I mean, it's carried on. <laughs> but not without the statue in center field. That's How about right. That? I'm just telling yeah. you, man. Uh, no, so that is an absolute valid point. He started his career calling games for the California Angels, but he, if I got that right, California Angels, I believe that's actually true. <clears throat> but the point is he was broadcasting in Seattle from 1977 to 2010. And that was the first, that was the the team's inaugural season, 1977. And uh, he was with them all the way until 2010 when he he passed away. I just Mm -hmm. think that uh, as far as, as far as names go, you got to have, you know, Dave Niehaus got to be on that, on that Mount Rushmore. Definitely. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, (laughs) if nothing else, nobody... I shouldn't say nobody. There are a few people who have as iconic of a call as Dave Niehaus. Very few. Because the Grand Salami made it into Ken Griffey Jr.'s winning run. The video game, the like, basically like yep. the sequel to Ken Griffey Jr. Presents Major League Baseball. Ken Griffey Jr.'s winning run came out a year, I believe, after, I think it was 96. So it was right after um, the 95 ALDS once again. And anytime anybody hit a grand slam, it wouldn't go through the whole thing, but it would just say Grand Salami. Nice. Which was an obvious tribute to Dave Niehaus. Absolutely. Well, and what I love about Dave Niehaus's calls is if you go back and watch, you get you get the radio guy enthusiasm with a TV guy uh presentation, right? Like he's 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 broadcasting 
on TV, but he's also given you like all of the juice, all of the excitement. He he is invested. He's in it to win it. Just with so it felt like your super duper knowledgeable uncle was screaming mm-hmm. along with you on the third baseline. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's true, and and you know, like I have I have a cassette tape from the '95 season. I know I've talked about it a lot this whole this whole episode, but that's like when I became a hardcore big league baseball fan was during that season. Yep. Yep. And um and all along they they have the Dave Niehaus call, you know, with uh with the video. And it's always just like it goes like three octaves above and you can tell, like <laughs> me being an audio guy, you can tell that everything is peaking because you can hear it cut down as soon as the ball is hit because yeah. it's it's almost like he sits way back here and makes the call, you know? Yeah. Because he's screaming so loud, and it's it's when somebody hits the ball, it's when somebody makes a great play. When Griffey crashed into the wall and broke his wrist, it was like, you know, red peaks for days, and then and then he was able to chop it down and be somber because he's like, oh no, Junior's hurt, you know. Yeah. So it's not just that he had his signature call, but he was he was incredibly good at what he did. He did a great job of feeding off the energy of the game and and conveying that through the broadcast. I agree, man. Iconic. Absolutely. For sure. Love it. But anybody who hasn't been to T-Mobile or Safeco Field, uh, like I said before, there's a statue out in center field of Dave Niehaus where he's sitting at the broadcast desk, and you can sit down next to him and get your picture taken. It's cool. I think I'll I'll see if I can uh, dig out that. I have a couple pictures of myself with it. I think I'll dig those out and put them on YouTube. You can see them. Nice. Well, and they've Super got. Cool. The, do they still have the thing uh, on the outfield wall that just says Dave with the mic and it says my oh my? Is that still? Uh, like I believe right center, so. Center field or wherever it is. Yeah, I believe they do. So there's, um, out in the outfield they have Edgar's Cantina. You know, obviously Edgar Martinez, Edgar's Edgar's Cantina. Yeah. Uh, but they also have Dave Niehaus Way out there is one of, okay. is like the street. There's so there's yeah. Dave Niehaus Way and there's Edgar Martinez Way. And so there used to be, I don't know if they still have it, but there used to be a Mariners podcast called at the corner of Edgar and Dave, or maybe it was, um, maybe it was their newsletter or something like that. I don't remember, uh, but, cool. but yeah, they called it at the corner of Edgar and Dave. That was pretty sweet. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. But cool. Let's go ahead and get out of here, Brig. Um, but actually before we do baseball family, send us your Seattle Mariners Mount Rushmore. I know it's not a team that a lot of you have ever really paid a whole lot of attention to probably or cheered for, but let us know if we got it right or wrong because, I mean, should the big unit be on there? Should Dave Niehaus be on there in place? Maybe you had Alex Rodriguez on there. I don't know, despite everything. Whatever. That's up to you. There's Send us a message there. in the mailbag. Catch new episodes of the Baseball Together podcast every Tuesday.